Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I'm Bobby Papin. Joining me, fresh off her second job night shift in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Ann Lundholm. Good evening, Ann. Oh, Bobby, I'm so old. I'm so old and tired. <laughs> I'm too old to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I had the night off tonight. The bar that my Wednesday shows were in closed abruptly so i uh, am off on this night but you you were just telling me before we started recording about the joys of retail it's all great except for the customers <laughs> yep but it would be really hard without them too uh and we're here for a special edition of little red bandwagon this is the first in an occasional series we're calling little red bandwagon december to pod member which is as close as we can get without getting sued by the Lexus Corporation, of best of clips from LRB history as suggested by a combination of our dear Wagoneers and uh, some from us, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. the things that have just tickled us over the last couple of years. And we're going to present several of those in this episode. We're going to keep doing this through a bunch of December. We're glad to share them, especially because it means we don't have to deal with setting up interviews of new guests this month. I like that you really left us a lot of room by saying that it's an occasional series. It's yeah, non-specific an enough. Yeah. Yeah. If it goes well, perhaps we'll have December's to pod member right into charge. <laughs> we'll just keep it going. It's a plan. Yes. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Uh, we'll do some best of LRB clips. We'll talk a little bit about them as we go, followed by some housekeeping and how to get involved. Um, and you've been spearheading, whether you like it or not, or realize it or not, the bulk of the work setting these shows up. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how tonight's is going to work and then maybe roughly how future episodes are coming together? Well, we thought really carefully about exactly what we wanted to do, what image we wanted to present, what sort of theme we would have for the um, best of shows. And the theme for tonight is here's some clips that we like. I realize this is very, very complicated theme, but I feel like, I feel like the listeners will, will get it eventually. If they listen to all the clips, they'll see the pattern that brings them all together. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We're not, we are not Ira Glass. No, we are not going to spoon feed you some theme and then present you a bunch of stories on that theme. We're going to give you the content, and then you can let us know, if you like, uh, how you saw them come together. Uh, Of course, there's a master plan. We would never go into this without one. But uh, we don't want to insult your integrity listeners by having to tell you what it is. Right. And frankly, these are just – a lot of these are ones – when we started talking about uh, doing this December to pod member were the ones that we just threw out off the top of our heads. We're like, Oh, remember the time this happened or Oh, remember that. So we got lots of great suggestions from listeners, but really there was a lot of stuff in our own brains. And uh, I think most of these tonight probably come from those. Yeah. Yeah. These are definitely some of those first round automatic hall of famers that we thought of and as mike would say sometimes we'll finish up recording and we'll be talking after the end of the show before we turn off the mics and go on with our lives and 
Michael just say, that felt good coming off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, we just know those moments when it's a walk-off and uh, when Mike is going to send a Facebook Messenger picture of Manny Ramirez. <laughs> Some of these are those moments. Uh, and and we're going to start with a clip tonight that you picked right out right away. It was the first pick that you cut down. It's the first pick, the first clip that you went hunting for because you were excited to share it. And I'm just honored to be a part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. This was literally the first thing that I thought of when we started talking about this. It's kind of an old one. Um, I think it's from almost 18 months ago, but it has stayed really vibrant in my mind. And when I went back to listen to it, I knew it was going to be kind of a messy clip because uh, the subject uh, that we're talking about, we keep kept coming back to it throughout the episode. But uh, so much of this content made me laugh that I couldn't cut it out. So it got a little bit less focused than um, most of the other clips here. And I, I did have to do some cutting in the middle. So you'll hear a couple of beeps when it transitions from one part to the next. But uh, this is the time that you and Mike had a fight about garbage milk. And garbage milk was the phrase that you coined and it'll be explained in the clip, but um, just to summarize, this was a time when Andrew was um, recording at Cairo because Luke was on vacation. So Andrew was co-hosting with um, Aaron Mason, one of Mike's favorites, and um, had found a, a pile of chocolate milk cartons just sitting out outside the studio, not outside the door to the recording room, but actually outside like on the sidewalk next yeah. to the door. And you and Mike had a disagreement about whether that milk was fit to drink. And it wound through the episode with some detours into um, dental hygiene and some talk about murder she wrote and uh, us getting upset at Mason and then it came back to garbage milk again. So I included all of that because it just kept me laughing um, for the whole time I was listening to it. I just couldn't cut any of it. Yeah, for listeners who don't remember uh, or haven't heard this before, I don't want to give any spoilers about what side of the garbage milk debate I was on. But I will say when you described it as a pile of garbage milk, uh, I just can't ever think of a time... A pile of milk sounded like a good idea. No, no. And re-listening to this, I feel like I was trying to be a little diplomatic. I mean, mostly I was just sort of laughing at the two of you going back and forth. But um, I, I am firmly on your side in this story. Looking back on it, I'd like to say <laughs> now, <laughs> I very much agree with you, Bobby. Well, I appreciate that. I... I pulled up the uh, date for this original clip. This was from August 7th, 2016, uh, Little Red Bandwagon, episode 140. Let's take a listen, and then we'll come back after the clip. I think with that, we can go to Tuesday, 2176, a pastiche of homages. Uh, we're at Cairo Radio, where the ace of mace, Aaron Mason, is filling in for Andrew Walsh, while Andrew Walsh fills in for Luke Burbank. Um, and... He's been given permission to spread out the plugs for all of his various wares. Uh, you can go back to listen to Sounds Tuesday's like my show. Last for... <laughs> oh my god! All those plugs. But the big news 
in the world of this Cairo radio studio is that there are half pints of chocolate milk just stacked up outside the door to the studio. I would have taken care of that post haste. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you just pick one up and drink it? Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't just drink uh, garbage milk. Why not? <laughs> hey, if the expiration's good and it's and it's cold, I'm drinking it. But is it cold? It's we take it's it inside. August. What are you just leaving perfectly good chocolate milk outside? So if you put some chocolate milk outside here, first of all, I would save it from the bugs immediately, and then I would chill <laughs> it down and drink it because I'm a child. It's pasteurized, right? Yeah, it'll be fine. It's fine. Yeah. The, we used to have when I was a child. We used to have milk delivered to our house. It was a style at the time. Sure. And the glass bottles, right? And the we didn't get the glass milk. bottles, but yeah, that was a, that was a thing. Um, we had a milk box, and I would sit on that milk box and um, wait for sunrise sometimes so I could go throw the baseball against the the outdoor gym wall. Um, I just, you know, every two... Uh, Two times a week, you get milk, and it's outside, so it's not that strange a thing. Just Mm-mm. pick it up, bring it inside, chill it down, and drink it. I What's like that you? you were the inspiration for that scene from The Great Escape. <laughs> I'm not familiar. What? Nope. Never seen The Great when Escape. When he's in the hole, and he's just somebody tosses him a baseball in the glove, and he's sitting in there in solitary, and he's just throwing, Steve McQueen just throwing the baseball against the wall at himself for like days no i i love steve mcqueen but i've never seen that movie all right well that's your homework for this episode go watch the great wait when i get down there we'll get drunk and watch the great escape it sounds great i like it but really you're you're gonna drink the garbage milk yes it's it's in a package it's in a it's in a it's in a cardboard container we're not exactly talking like hermetically sealed and you're the tiebreaker here would you take that milk inside chill it down and drink it no i would not okay you but if you did it, I wouldn't think that you were weird for doing it. Why, I would not be aghast. Why do people keep walking by it? That's what I <laughs> Because it's not their job to clean up the garbage at Cairo. That's, That's not garbage milk. That's delivery milk. I. It's piled in a dirty-looking corner. Did you not see the picture? <laughs> yes. Can you not like, rinse off a closed package? and? It's it's delivery milk specifically for the corner where people probably smoke right outside the mm. studio. No, you have to be 25 feet away from the door oh. to smoke. Because I've seen people enforce that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Top story, flossing. Not proven to be a good thing. Still going to do it? Yeah. Mike? Um, I do not floss, and there's a reason. Um. I happen to have Shrek-like hands and a small, small mouth. So uh, uh, eventually, eventually, uh, a dental hygienist took pity on me many years ago and gave me a very nice uh, dental pick that I use to do the same thing, massage my gums and clean up between my teeth. And she just, I, I, I never, I don't think I ever said it. But we were talking about flossing, and then like she's she's like, you know, your mouth is really, really small, you know. And I'm like, and I kind of held up my hands. She goes, Yeah, that's that's got to be really tough. I said, yeah, I can get like the front three or four, <laughs> and that's it. And so she's, Yeah, well, this will work really good. And she gave me this thing, and it, it's worked out great. But I'm not against flossing. I just can't <laughs> personally can't do much of it. Uh, I use the floss picks, and I can't imagine using regular floss anymore. It's like a yeah. revolution in our household. 
because just the wrapping around your fingers and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like I'm going to strangle the tips of my fingers to clean out my teeth. <laughs> so yeah, Cullen uses those. The floss mm-hmm. picks are great. Yeah. Uh, I have to bring this up as the official murder. She wrote correspondent of little red bandwagon. Um, the guys are not sure if she's an aunt or not. And my question is, how many episodes of Murder, She Wrote have they really watched? <laughs> because I would say one in three episodes of Murder, She Wrote revolves around one of her nieces or nephews mm-hmm. running into town and then somehow getting tangled up in a controversy and a murder. And most prominently, her dopey nephew, Grady, who shows up all the damn time. His entire life is an arc in the show Murder, She Wrote over 12 seasons. So, of course, she's an aunt. Of course she is. I feel bad for Grady. His friends just keep getting picked off and murdered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one by one. And he gets tangled up with really terrible people all the time because he's just too naive to realize it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, email from one ta- about the one tank trip guy. He is still alive despite a misleading uh, subheader on his website and uh, is still tripping. Like Meredith. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who's had a really great week in the liberal state of Washington. Uh, Andrew is shuffling papes. Uh, excuse me. A, uh, Aaron is shuffling papes and does not, I think, fully understand why that offends me. <sighs> Who has time to say papers? <laughs> and uh, uh, we get an email from a listener who's not sure what to name her baby boy. Uh, they have a familial name, Henry. Uh, recent friend, relatively distant friend named her baby Henry and they don't want to cause issues there. Uh, and my advice is to name your baby Henry and to tell your friend to go fuck herself. Or Henri mm-hmm. with an I. <laughs> <laughs> but do be aware uh, I, that there's there's going to be three kids in that baby's kindergarten that are named Henry. Right. So if you're okay with that, do it. Because yeah. Henry is big these days. And he's going to need to ha- grow a beard immediately. It's okay, because as long as you teach him how to be a hand-clappy, boot-stompy kid, he'll be fine. <laughs> Boy, did that get under some skin. <laughs> uh, and this is the conversation where Aaron Mason, uh, whose name uh, is both a firsty-firster name, in that it is two first names, and both of them are dumb, makes fun of Aiden wow. as a name. Well, I take this very seriously. Aiden is both our youngest and one of our most loyal listeners. Yeah, this uh, is personal. Aiden Aiden is in our clan. And uh and Aaron had no idea what he was stepping in until he nope. learned <laughs> the wrath of the internet. Uh but Anne, I'll let you pick that up right there. Uh yes, Wednesday, twenty one seventy seven, Milk He Wrote. That's a great title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I agree, but okay. So what you're saying, uh, Bobby, is milk is murder. Those, that milk would have killed me if I had partaken in Depending on how long it had been sitting out in a <laughs> semi-porous container in the sun. Yes. Semi-porous. <laughs> it's got that wax coating on the inside. Yeah. It's fine. Dip, yeah, how it was really quite warm. When I was in Seattle, it could be uh, chocolate pudding by the time you open that. My mom used to leave her milk out on the counter from 6 a.m. until the time she went to bed to put in her coffee. So my family has a lactose tolerance (laughs) (laughs) to the greatest degree. 
Did it start frozen? Was, you talk about the milk box, no. but I know a lot of times when they deliver milk, it, it can come. You know, it comes nope. very cold, and you put it in an insulated box. No, our, our milk box was not insulated, so I think I I have a super immunity to <laughs> turnt milk. <laughs> well, uh, next time you're in Seattle, swing by Cairo and check for chocolate yogurt sitting mm. out. I'll eat it. <laughs> Sounds goddamn delicious. Sorry, me. and I apologize. <laughs> let's let's continue. Let's set aside the great LRB milk controversy of 2016. <laughs> uh, Aaron Mason is back as co-host today, and they immediately start talking about the fallout over uh, his thoughtless comments about the name Aiden yesterday, including a good burn from LRB. Uh, That was Christy, just saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he knows that he needs to be careful with the tens because we are a very fervent fan group and very protective of our people, not just Luke and Andrew, but... Also of awesome people like Aiden. Mm-hmm. And to sort of, I guess, um, put a cap on this particular subject, Aaron says that he knows that he is a strong flavor. He compares himself to licorice and says that maybe a lot of people don't like licorice, but the people that do really love it. And I think that's um, that's a good thing to be self-aware like that. Mm-hmm. So There's they move s- in. Small group mm-hmm. of people out there who love arsenic. <laughs> yeah, but they don't love it for long. <laughs> I love chocolate milk. <laughs> yes. Yes, Aaron is the is the warm, ripe chocolate milk of podcast. <laughs> Uh, moving in on, I want to mention that uh, Andrew makes the comments, we've got the shuffling papes, and Aaron says, what's up, Bobby? This has been an ongoing feud between us on Twitter all week. And again, he knows I'm upset. I'm just not entirely sure he understands why. <laughs> I think so. I think he does. Uh, I hesitate to reopen this <laughs> delicate subject. <laughs> But the four chocolate milk cartons from yesterday are still there. Now, now you throw them out. Yep. But do something. If you see something. <laughs> do something? Do something. Mike, Whether it's uh, drink it or throw it away. Here's, don't just shuffle by it every day. It invites, it invites uh, vermin. Here's my point. Yesterday, you said drink it. Today, you say it's probably time to throw it out. How do because, you think- Wait, Bobby. I'm waiting. I would... Inquire as to how long the chocolate milk had been there the first day I came. And if it was fresh to the doorstep at the time of day he was coming, it was still savable. But because it's been warm in Seattle, the next day, if you get the same chocolate milks, those got to go. Right. No. You've got to do something about this. Don't just talk about it. Well, I understand, though. But how do you know it's how do you know it's those chocolate milks? And how do you know how long they've been there on day one? <laughs> Are people really keeping that close to track on the? Because apparently the expiration dates have been changing. So there's yes. clearly there's a system in place here. This is a dead drop for some chocolate milk for someone. <laughs> this Andrew is nothing did... that an investigation couldn't uncover. Yes. Andrew put on his Colombo trench coat and sniffed around and asked some questions and found out that last week there were still four chocolate milk cartons, but they had different expirations. So they were different. So somebody has a plan. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe we should just keep our noses out of this okay. and not be Jessica Fletcher's nephew right. in this particular. Don't be Grady. Grady yes. would drink the chocolate milk. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> so he gives some to his friend who would die. Yeah, yeah. All this time later, I stand by my argument. The the problem with garbage milk, if there's only one, is that you don't know when it became garbage milk. Right. You don't know what day one was for that milk. You don't know how long it's been sitting there. Those dates mean nothing once temperature swings hit. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> Uh, I remember this fondly, this this conversation. Uh, yeah. And I know Mike is a cheap, cheap man, but I just can't do it. You do not, quote, chill it down and drink it. <laughs> uh, I should rekindle this argument with Mike talking about eggnog. Tis the season. Mm. <laughs> I, I also, one of the other things I really enjoyed about that, I'm kind of sad that we didn't... Um, keep going with this was the don't be a Grady theme. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to talk about fantasy football because nobody cares, but the, uh, not this season, but last season, my tens football league team was the Grady Fletchers <laughs> and they performed uh, pretty much to their namesake. They were awful, just awful. But yeah, Grady can't catch a break. Every girly dates, Every job he gets, every friend he has, it's always a disaster. Uh, he's got the he's got his aunt's kiss of death, that's for sure. Hmm. It actually kind of makes me want to go back and watch a little murder she wrote just to see what Grady gets up to. You should watch all twelve seasons, or better yet, I'm sure somewhere on the internet people do this with the um, with the Star Wars franchise. Like they tell you the order in which you should watch them oh, sure. to get the maximum effect. And sometimes there are short, I know for the West Wing, there are shortcuts where people say, just watch like this set of couple of episodes from every season and you can find a follow a full plot line. Just watch every Grady episode from end to end. You'll see a full, it's the story of a man. It's the story of a life from beginning to mostly ends. (laughs) Well, now I've got a resolution. (laughs) Uh, Since the first clip featured... Uh, and Aaron, who was naughty, we thought we might bring you a clip next of an Aaron who was nice. This is an interview that we did with one Aaron Roden. Just a quickie of him sharing us his favorite TBTL drop. Um, so I have just a couple more questions and then Mike can yeah. plug t- uh, Takedown Podcast about three more times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you may say fuck you but i'm right <laughs> okay so <laughs> what is your favorite drop my favorite drop can i do it for you right here yes that's gonna be a little loud okay i was thinking about this today and i came up with the perfect answer priceless granite priceless granite was that good or what that's amazing yeah. you nailed it I hated that commercial so much when it came on uh, that radio station. (laughs) I absolutely abhorred it. I was like, I I literally almost looked up Priceless Granite's phone number to call them (laughs) and say, who the F did you have sing this? Because shoot them, shoot them, (laughs) kill that person. Out of misery. 
They think they are good at opera. They are not. They are an asshole. Sorry, Aiden. <laughs> I don't um, want green it. I don't want that person to live. Yeah. I totally understand. Yeah. That person hopefully is dead now. Because <laughs> they're and, an and now it's person. on your favorite show. That's hilarious. I know. And then I heard them use that drop and, and I just uh, made me scream with laughter. <laughs> I have to say, Bobby, I think that the most surprising thing about this short clip is how tuneful Aaron was. I mean, he really nailed that. Well, he's a very musical man. Yeah. 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 Also, I think he practiced. I think he knew the question <laughs> was coming. Well, I think he even said he practiced, but, you know, he really... Uh, you know, he took his assignment seriously. And honestly, Wagoneers, not to shit on you, but some of you could take your assignment more seriously when it comes to things like this. You know, come in ready. You know, we're going to ask what your favorite drop is. <laughs> Am I you asking know, too much? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard the full Priceless Granite commercial. And I was wondering for half a second today if maybe I should go see if I could dig that up. And then I thought, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, and since this is the first I'm hearing of you mentioning it, I haven't pulled it. We certainly don't have the technology to play it here, so we're just going to have to stick with Aaron singing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, by the way, is from episode 211, uh, Born to be Mild with Aaron Roden. That was April 14th, 2017. That was a good interview. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, you know, it's good he, to interview the interviewer. Since he's all over the place, and you can Google him. He's got another new project these days. I mean, he is a consummate professional when it comes to the pod-catching and pod-carding and radio-style interviews. Um, you know, a real professional. But we got him on the other side. We got the human side of Aaron Roden. It was nice. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of a real professional, the the next uh, best of moment we're going to feature uh showcases the talents of one uh, Phyllis Fletcher. Phyllis Edna Fletcher, correct? Yes. Uh, one of the things we're really going to miss next year is those Phyllis favorites that uh, Phyllis just took charge on and came with really interesting themes and interesting clips that she came across in her travels through the back end of TBTL land. And this is uh, one Phyllis fave that was near and dear to my heart because I think it's the only one I got to participate in because usually Phyllis faves got recorded sometime during the day since Phyllis works from home and Mike was at home and you and Meredith work from home. It was really convenient for those to happen in a weekday, but I couldn't. So for whatever reason, I wasn't at work this day and I got to hop on with Mike and Phyllis and talk about the Burbank obsession with Costco. But as part of this uh, episode, uh, in his award-winning While We Have You segment, uh, Mike decided that he wanted to talk to Phyllis about some, some child-rearing issues, including um, activities and birthday parties. And this uh, segment was where he got the biggest bee in his bonnet because he wanted to talk to Phyllis about the concept of snack specifically at kids' athletic events. And I remember just listening to the two of them. I don't have kids. I've never had to go to a, a kids' sport practice. I didn't play sports myself, so I have no 
understanding of this and the two of them talking about the whole concept of snack really just delighted me at the time and it continues to delight me. An interesting note about this. So we're recording on a Wednesday night in early December 2017. This clip is from May 5th, 2017. And in natural conversation just earlier tonight with Phyllis and Mike in a group chat talking about youth sports and uh, Ellie and Christine Jeremy also involved in the conversation. I just made a joke about making sure that the parent in charge of snack made it on time. Mm -hmm. And this hot topic is as hot as it was in May. This is a timeless evergreen topic for Phyllis and for all of us. Which leads me to the third leg of this competitive parenting stool. And that is, Hydration and snacking. Can you tell the story? This is this is the story that got me fired up and that Emily's tired of hearing about. Uh, can you tell the story, your recent story about the, your soccer experience? Yes. Yes. Um, so, um, uh, so uh, when we, so Gus is in like an eight, I think eight or nine week soccer or something right now. These are um, one hour combined uh, practice and game situations and um, when we went to our first soccer somebody went around and Gus has done other one hour soccers before where you just kind of show up and the whole thing happens and you you bone out and um, on the first session of this soccer um, one of the parents went around with a, a little sheet where she had put each date of each, um, I guess you'd call them games, um, of each game that, that was happening, um, and said, uh, this is the snack sign up. I was like, huh? <laughs> She's like, we sign up for snack just to make sure there's a snack here every time. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Uh, well, let me, uh, here. And so I, I took a picture of it just so that I could compare it against my calendar because um, I didn't want to sign up for a date that where something might be tricky about bringing a snack. Um, I wanted to make it as easy as possible, and so I compared it against my calendar, and then before the end of the game that day, I signed up for a date. I picked a date. It was um, it was about uh, a couple weeks ago. And so um, that date rolled around, and I said to Josh, oh, snap we got to bring the snack tomorrow and he was like okay and so uh he went to costco uh got all the stuff and um and wait then... a minute all the stuff how many kids how many kids are there and well, how many snacks thing. do they need uh, costco i know <laughs> well and that he ended up getting some of it at fred meyer too because all he did was basically he went to costco and got um just got a bag of oranges you know because so these are perfect. the little kids with like the pop-up goals and it's like four on four yeah. or oh yeah okay. yeah yeah okay. yeah so there's like i had to check the list i was like i think is it like there's seven or eight people because this is a thing too we got into this because at the last minute they needed another person um to round out their team and so mm-hmm. we got in on all this stuff all late so we weren't hip to the culture or anything of it like i didn't even know this was a thing um, how goddamn hungry these kids are <laughs> right <laughs> so i was like okay and so josh was just like oh cool and what he had remembered from the the time that we had gone was that there was a bag of oranges so that was all he got and i was like that's fine but 
Um, they also had. That drinks. was all we had back in the day. That okay. was all we had back in the day. Okay. For like and hours, see, and hours. That's something, that's something I'm not hip to because I didn't do any of this stuff as a kid. Like, I don't know what people's expectations or memories are from back in the day, although I've picked up culturally that orange slices is part of it. I wasn't slicing no oranges, so he (laughs) got the bag of the mini oranges, okay? Okay. So he had the the bag of oranges, and uh, he was like, word, I got the soccer snack, you know, busted out the bag of oranges. I was like, the thing is, there were also drinks, and there was also a box of granola bars. And Josh was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I know. And I just, you know, because we've set this expectation, not really for the parents at all, but for the kids, like, I don't want some kid going there thinking he's going to get a granola bar and then having a meltdown before he gets in his parents' car. Well, I usually get biscuits and gravy during (laughs) halftime of my soccer game. I don't know about you guys. I was like, should I set up a carving station and just show all these fools up? (laughs) Prime rib. Yes, seriously. I mean, I was like, should I get like Din Tai Fung dumpling takeout and be like, yo, snack today. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was like, all right, you know, you know, sorry to to let you know, but the granola bars are, you know, that'd be good. And Josh was like, okay. So he went to Fred Meyer, got granola bars and a box of Capri Sun. There you go. Yeah. And so it was, it was like, all right, this feels like overkill for a one hour activity but we are now prepared with all the things that everyone would expect and and it was good and it was good that you know we had a little bit extra because people bring their other kids to stand there and be on the sideline oh yeah you You can't you can't be like 10 years old and not have a snack during an hour (laughs) (laughs) i mean the team the teammates are seven and then the little siblings are like you know three or something so they don't know you know and you don't want to be like sorry three-year-old there's nothing for you you know you didn't play you don't get a snack (laughs) right totally i would totally tell them you're not on the team snacks are for the team grow up and get on a team (laughs) so um you know we had everything and then (sighs) sure enough like there was just a downpour that day it just was insane the amount of rain and so my entire snack bag was soaked um you know i mean there was stuff for kids to eat but like we basically had way more than we needed because it's not like anyone was dying of thirst afterwards or anything but they did definitely come over and bogart some oranges during the little um halftime or whatever and you know everyone grabbed a granola bar and and um you know an orange and if they wanted one they they grabbed a capri sun from my soggy soggy bag and even there was enough for me to like slip one to one of the dads who's real cool i was like hey you want a granola bar he was like yeah because <laughs> it's a good kind of chewy granola bar so it's like i'm into it so we and i got to have one too so so that was fine then um last week um at some point, um, so I, I do this thing where I kind of try to like bone out for a second because I don't really want to stand there and watch this this whole time. So I mm-hmm. go and sneak out. I get some iced tea. I'm like, hey, man, I'll see you later. I'm going to get some iced tea. And, you know, one of the dads or moms or someone is like, all right, cool. And I always say, you know, you want me to bring you something? Oh, no, thanks. Okay. So I come back and the snack thing has happened sort of, except what happened was kids came off the sidelines and like they were like where's the snack and they saw a bag 
with snacks in it and they just like kind of went for it now i didn't see this with my own eyes so it's kind of like second hand info but like that was one dad's personal snacks that he brought for his actual kids because Whoops. whoever had brought the snack was not uh identified like it was like this is a disaster snack. yeah i was just like what happened what's going on so these kids these kids might die i know <laughs> i know <laughs> But it's like to them, they see food and they're like, oh, that must be, quote unquote, the snack, like this thing that oh we've now God. created expectations around. So what ended up happening, which I don't think you have the update on, is the snack was actually there. It's just that the parent who brought it was like dealing with his own kids or chatting or something. You know, he was like being a normal human, interacting with other people and like he was saving the snack for the end. So it actually was there, but like because the kids couldn't lay eyeballs on it, they just went for the food that they physically saw. No, you you just said saving the snack for the end. So yeah. game's over. It's pouring. Yeah. Uh, kids are getting in their cars with their parents. Presumably, they will have access to drive-throughs, right. snacks, refrigerators <laughs> of all kinds. I know. <laughs> Why? I know. I'm getting I madder. Know. I know. It's like, are you supposed to throw a snack at their head on their way into their car? Like, what's happening? So, I mean, the week that I brought it, it was pouring. This time, the weather was nice. And so the kids kind of sat around and enjoyed their snack. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's a nice moment. It's not necessary. But if, if, you, if we had not done a thing where, you know, if, I mean, basically what I'm saying is I'm wrong. Everyone else is right. Because if we had not at the beginning, if this mom had not at the beginning organized and gone around with a sign-up sheet and said, who's bringing snack, um, we'd be like, do the they, they say team. snack? That's the, that's the terminology. What's that? Do they say snack. Yeah, they not do. Snacks. Oh <laughs> yeah, I think so. I had, Oh, that makes me even matter. <laughs> Who's bringing breakfast? It's breakfast, not breakfasts. How dare you, Anne? How dare you take her side? Snack. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a total thing. And so, I'm like, they're they're right, and I just need to catch up with the times because it's it's really clear that that is just that's just the expectation. It. It's a cultural mm -hmm. expectation now, especially if it's soccer. Not really any other activities that I've been involved with yet, but if it's soccer, there's an expectation that there will be a team snack available to everybody. Um, and I think, I mean, I guess I, I need more um, more data points to know for sure, but I think it's expected that it be available at their little tiny halftime, whatever you call that, and then also at the end. Yeah, so the kids can climb into their parents' cars with sticky orange fingers and just crush yeah, granola with bars into the booty crumbles on their right. <laughs> Okay. You know, you know what this is making me think about though? What? I don't know that this is necessarily a kid only thing because one of the thing that frustrates me the most about being in my choir is that they are obsessed with snack. Wow, there is really? a snack every <laughs> rehearsal. During what? the 10-minute break in the middle, it's it's a two-and-a-half-hour rehearsal, and there's a 10- to 15-minute break in the middle, and everybody has to have snack. And the president <laughs> of the choir, I did not do this when I was the president, but the current president, 
every week stands up and waves the sign-up sheet and says, we need more people to sign up. We need, we had next week open. We need someone to bring snacks the week after that. And I'm like, can you not go one evening without having a shitty store-bought cookie at 8.15? It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so The tyranny of snacking is what I called it to Emily. It's... (laughs) I mean, it should be an individual thing, right? If you yes. need a snack, bring it. Right. Bring your mm-hmm. own snack. And don't bring enough for everybody. Screw everybody else. Make them bring their own snack. I know. I'm I'm on strike. When yeah, I first good. joined the choir, I would I would reluctantly sign up to bring a snack once a, once a semester or whatever. But I never eat any of that. So I decided this year, no, I'm not participating in this. This farce. Ooh. I just stay in my seat and check my phone and everybody else can be social and, <laughs> and eat fudge. Yeah. Eat fudge before you go back and sing. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that too. Like, how do you get, how do you work around that when like you're supposed to be singing in a second? Mm-hmm. I do not know. It, no, that order of Dick's fries is coming back up. <laughs> yeah. It's so gross. What the heck, man? Well, this, this is another thing where I'm like, shoot, if it was the seventies, my mom's thing when she had to bring like the Sunday school snack is she would bring um, she would bring a healthy cracker, cheddar slices and and uh, Granny Smith apple slices. And the mm. kids hated it. That sounds really, really? good to me right now. I, I know as an adult, <laughs> like it sounds good. But it, my mom was like, hey, if you need a snack. Here's something that's good for you because <laughs> mm-hmm. she hated when this quote unquote snack was just some junk food. You know, she wasn't having that. Yeah. And so she would bring a snack where it's like, hey, if you're actually hungry, this is something you can eat. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you can leave it alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she didn't care. I like that. Yeah, it was good. Boy, I just hope that Phyllis would slip me a granola bar if I stood <laughs> through all that crap. <laughs> What really makes me laugh about this is the part where we have to sort of, I don't know if we want to say, parse the etymology of, is it snack or snacks? <laughs> and and yeah. Mike doesn't understand that it's it's snack singular. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's snack. It's, well, it's a meal. It's, as you mentioned, breakfast. Right. Uh, I think it's just an affront to him that snack is a meal. So he's just not going to have any of it. He just can't even process that possibility. <laughs> I'm all for eating anytime, every time, whatever I can get my hands on. So I'm down with snack in general. Well, uh, but you made a point in the clip, and I wanted to ask you more about this since you're still a choirster. Um, the ridiculousness is that is the chorus snack at <sighs> rehearsal intermission because – I don't remember if we've gotten into this on the show or not, much like TBTL, which our podcast is technically about, although these days, who knows? I worked for a professional chorus, well, not professional, a somewhat professional level chorus in Boston for a couple of years before I got my current job, and they rehearsed weekly. And even there, when you're talking about serious voice majors and adults who trained in this, and even they have a snack sign up and must get their snack. And some of them take it to like light catering levels. <laughs> and everyone's always excited when Epp has snack because 
she does the the Swedish meatballs in the crock pot with the Russian dressing and the oh my grape god, ge- like the grape jelly. Well, like the real 1970s hot appetizer meatballs. And it just seems so counterproductive, too. As singers, you would so often see them bring chocolate or, I don't know, like dip or something that's going to coat the vocal cords in an unfortunate way. Um, Soft drinks are really bad. The carbonation really messes with your voice. And here's all these people like gobbling down. I think I said fudge in the clip and that it's 100% the truth. There is a guy in the choir who makes fudge and brings it every week. I do not know what's going on. I don't really (laughs) trust him with his weekly fudge, but it's the last thing you should be eating before you go sing. I, it's just, it boggles the mind. Despite how unprofessional our podcast is, even I try not to eat something right before we record. And I, I'm drinking a a, a bubble water right now but like only very carefully and when we record in the morning i usually try to take a shower right before we record so that i can sort of clear things out and steam myself and you know try to avoid the mouth sounds on the microphone <laughs> and i don't have someone standing in the row right in front of me that i might spray fudge and russian dressing on oh my god gross <laughs> that's why i stand in the back row Right, so at least you're not a spray target. I just assumed it was because you're relatively tall. Well, that too. Or perhaps you could say relatively high. Oh, thank you. <laughs> perhaps I could. God, you are just a master of the segue. I do what I can. Speaking of high. <laughs> See, I'm not as smooth as you. Uh, hey, we'll ne- take it. <laughs> the next clip. Features are our very own Meredith, Eminem, all the way, part of the way, some of the way, Mayhan. Um, in our uh, general chats, we have um, some some inside jokes and some ongoing themes and some subjects that sometimes determine their own terminology after a while. And we had made a few kind of, I don't know sideways jokes about this on the show but I don't really like having inside jokes that the listeners don't get and so we decided that we should probably explain this one and since Meredith was the one that originally came up with it uh, this is a clip of her uh, explaining the origin of what morphed into the term uh, tiny fence concert (laughs) and it's actually a two-part clip because then we cut to uh, the audio postcard she sent us where she was, in fact, hosting a tiny fence concert. And it was it's such a different view of Meredith that every time I listen to it, I just end up grinning. Yeah, this evolution is from January of 2017. Uh, it's a couple of episodes, like you mentioned. I think it's recaps back to back, January 8th and... 16th sometimes the days don't line up when we post things late at night but those recaps in early january uh, 184 and 186 
So I'm not going to be on the show next week because Duff and I are going to Denver, Colorado on Friday for a long weekend. Um, we're going to see a concert at the uh, orchestra hall there. There's an artist named Gregory Allen Isakoff that I really like, and he remastered several of his songs with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra. And I really wanted to see him back in October when he was playing with them there, um, but and I talked to Duff about it, but he went ahead and bought Mark Marin tickets for that weekend in New York. <laughs> so oh. uh, this is why I'm dragging him to a cold place in the middle of January, um, because he owes me big time for that. Um, so we're going, as you may know, um, marijuana is legal in uh, Colorado. What? So I anticipate <laughs> that <laughs> we'll be having, I will at least be having a fun time with that. We're We're going to a... Um, a marijuana cooking class uh, that weekend. So I'll be sure to be giving updates. And just all brownies? I don't know. I don't know. You can, I guess you can cook whatever with it. So uh, I might be on the floor after that. I'm not sure. Um, but in the interest of, of bringing you all into our little world here, a, a, a term was coined when I was in Seattle for uh, Christy and Jeremy's wedding, I I was at, let's see, we were with my cousin and he lives on like 12th and Pine in Capitol Hill. And we were at a sushi place. I remember we were waiting outside of the sushi place on his street and we were waiting for our table to be ready. And my cousin works for a weed distribution company. He had gotten us quite high. Well, no, not Duff, just me. And I remember standing outside on the sidewalk. They were having a conversation that I could not follow. So I was on my phone. I was talking to the LRB people in the chat. And I think another important part of this story is that the fire station is across the street. And I was a little bit getting a little bit paranoid because I was like, they totally know. Everybody knows. <laughs> Those firemen are going to come <laughs> Those out Those firemen you. are going to arrest me <laughs> yeah. for sure. So I was standing there. I was just staring at my phone and I was trying not to move or say anything or look suspicious. And I said to you guys, and I barely remember this, but something about how I feel like I'm standing, there's a tiny fence around my feet and I can't move or I'll smash the fence. <laughs> and so this, <laughs> this coined the term tiny fence. Uh, tiny fence concerts is what it morphed into. And I think that's, that's a take on the tiny desk concerts, right? Mm -hmm. I don't remember how most of this went for obvious reasons, but, uh, I anticipate that this weekend will be one long tiny fence concert. Right. Whenever anybody who suspects anyone else in the chat of being high, we ask them if they are at a tiny <laughs> fence concert. <laughs> I realize none of that makes sense, but <laughs> that's that's the truth as far as I can work it out. Right. It's not as convoluted as, as Meredith being known for her drawings of tall ships, but it's, <laughs> True. it's an inside joke nonetheless. Yeah. Hey, Wagoneers. It's your friend, yeah. Meredith. Um, we are at the concert hall in Denver. Uh the musicians are warming up, and we're going to see the concert soon. Um, we went to a cooking class around noon that lasted about 30 hours, and it's like 7 now, um, and I'm feeling a little better, um, but uh, I'm definitely, I've been sitting in some tiny boxes and I'm standing with some real tiny fences around my feet a lot. Um, it's a weird feeling. Um, it's also a mile 
in the sky displacement, so it's a little weird. And now I'm real high up in a symphony hall. Hi. Um, have a good show. Power out. This thing's really taken on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to say that it's been a complete life transformation in front of our eyes, but it's been a fun process to watch a new hobby blossom. Is that what we're calling it? A hobby? <laughs> well, there's there's a travel element involved. There's an adventure element involved. That's a good uh, point. Yeah, and I feel like that's... It's sort of like um, I have friends, and I'm sort of like this too. Like if we're going on a trip, it, Aruba doesn't count because Aruba, the goal is to do as little as possible for a week. But, you know, with you, with Portugal, you know, you got to enjoy researching where you'd want to go, booking your accommodations. Like it's not just the week that you're there. It's all the stuff that leads up to it and sort of thinking about it and getting ready for it. And uh, there's sort of a thrill with that. I just changed a hotel reservation like an hour ago before we got on mic tonight to change my room for a trip in January because I decided I wanted a corner view in my crappy Times Square hotel room. Um, there's there's a yeah a hobby. I'm going to call it a hobby. <laughs> I think that's the healthiest way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go with it. And uh, and I would say that one of the things that really delights me about this clip is that uh, people who listen to our show, which is hopefully everybody who's listening to this, know that um, Meredith is usually like really uh, self-possessed. I think I said once when we were talking about our on-air personas or something that I my goal was always to sound as collected and self-possessed as Meredith always does. So, so to see this a slightly looser version of her coming to the forefront is I think really charming. Uh, And when she's discussing, you know, she's at this concert and, you know, it's, they're a mile up in the air and now she's up high in the concert hall too. I, I just find her incredibly charming in this clip. Yeah. Like I said, it's an adventure. She, it's a, she's seeking out high places. (laughs) Yes, she is. Also, thanks again for that care package, Meredith. With that, I have no transition. (laughs) Sorry, guys. The next clip is just such a uh, memorable moment. Actually, what it is, is it's the culmination of weeks and weeks and weeks of memorable moments. Yes. Um, after false starts and various attempts and confusing uh, scenarios, we all go to June 30th of this year, right in the middle of summer, well, early in summer, when Mike sat down with me and Christy and finally laid out once and for all the official rules for the Little Red Bandwagon summer picnic potluck as we've mentioned time and time again the lrb picnic is coming up and uh every time we talk about it we seem to have a disagreement about the distribution of workload for who brings what to the picnic yeah i think i finally i finally figured it out i mean i sat down and i um i i 
you know, you know, have you seen the uh, the La Quinta commercial where the guy puts his eyeglasses in his hands and he he practices in his hotel room, pointing around the room with them and and using them as a as a big gesture. Mm-hmm. I I did the I did the equivalent of that in uh, on a spreadsheet spreadsheet. Sorry, thank mm-hmm. you. And I think I've finally nailed it. So. <clears throat> I'm going to give it to you here and, and just let me know if you have any questions. You can stop me at any time. Uh, but, but here it is. And everyone, listen up. Okay. Again, we are trying to decide who's going to bring what dish. Um, and I think it should be by initials. And I think we're going to take the corresponding number to the letters of our initials in the alphabet. So, and then we're going to combine those numbers and divide by three. For example, my full name is Michael Andrew Frizzell. So M-A-F. M is the 13th letter of the alphabet. A, of course, is the first. And F is the sixth. So the combined total of my initials is 20. So divided by three gives me 6.6666667. If I were woke... Okay, maybe if we get to D. Okay, if I were a woman, I would take this number and round it up to seven, which is the letter G. But being a man, I go back three spaces and round it down, so my letter is C. So if I were a woman and my initials were MAF, I could bring ground beef, gherkins, or gouda, Silent consonants are banned, so euros are off the table. But being a dude, I have options because now I'm up at C. So cannelloni, camembert, cupcakes, churros, all of these things I can bring. It's just that easy. And, of course, if any of your initials are Q, you don't have to bring anything. But you will be asked to endure some... Borderline inappropriate hugs from the entire LRB crew, some of which might happen simultaneously from unconventional hug angles. <laughs> and no changing your name. Yeah, we're looking. We need to see license or birth certificates. We're looking at you, right? <laughs> well, and you can't do like like I mentioned Adam Kroll earlier. He doesn't have a middle name, so he chose Lakers when he went to the DMV. <laughs> we'll know if you made your middle name up. But so, if you have a legal document that says it. Um, is this clear? Do you guys have any questions about this? Well, can, can we work through mine? So I've got mine written down here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wait, okay. Are we going to go by your legal name, Robert, or by your chosen name, Bobby? I'm pretty sure this, mm. this, this, matters. Is, this is by the book. I'm pretty sure this is by the book, so it's got to be okay, Robert. Okay, legal name. Okay. Uh, I've got to go with the name that the hospital misspelled when they gave me. Uh, so, Robert, uh, that's 18. Uh, my middle name is Lawrence, which I don't know if I've mentioned on here before, but is spelled the way you'd expect it to be spelled, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, except my mother, in honor of our Canadian heritage, wanted in, uh, an English or rather a European spelling. Oh, she the LA- river. You are Lawrence. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but they did it wrong. <laughs> she gave it to them and they put a <laughs> W instead of a U and she never fixed it. So Lawrence uh, is L's 12 and then Pape is 16. Uh, and so 18 and 12 and 16 is 46. Mike, can you run mm-hmm. me through the process from there? Well, 
he would be 15.33333. And if you're a woman, you round up. So it would be the 16th letter, which would be... P. Uh, N. Did I miss? No, P. M is the 13th. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So P, so pizza. Obviously. Um, Mm. (laughs) Pierogi. But when you're a guy, you you go back three and round down. Okay, so back three is fourteen three 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 thirteen three 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 twelve three three three, rounding down to twelve, which so, would be L uh, L L. Yeah, so, Lindberger. Uh, linguini. Linguini. Linguisa. Ooh, we do love I, linguisa. I love linguisa. The southern yeah. New England. There's a lot of yeah. Oh, yeah. now I'm hungry. I'm finally hungry. We arrived. Um, could I bring lasagna? Because I hate Mondays. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Only if you dress like Garfield. That's um, John Takamoto's job. <laughs> we were just having a conversation about furries today, actually. <laughs> All right. So let's do mine. I'm C for Christy, L for Lynn, W for Wise. All right. So we get three. And 12, that's 15. And then 23, God, you're all the way up there. 15 and 23 is uh, 38. 38. Divided by 3. So 12.666. So then I round up to 13. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, you round up to M. Yeah. If you identify as a woman, you round up. If you identify as a man, you go back three. And round down. And round down. And round down. So M. I do like that this is uh, very PC. It's 2017. We're going by. It's we, your name has to be legally what God and your parents gave you, but you can gender identify as you see fit. Yes. Well, if if you're gender if you're gender neutral, you're not welcome. So no, find take another. that back. <laughs> Mike does not speak for all of us. But let's put that drop in. Yeah. Okay. Um. So M. Yes. What are some M things I can well, bring? You get all the meats. Okay. Your Arby's. <laughs> you have the meats. Okay. <laughs> Please bring Arby's. <laughs> Jeremy brought the Jack in the Box tacos. I know. One I, year. I ate a couple of them. I regretted yeah, like it. Like $40 worth. <laughs> Those aren't good when they're hot. Now imagine they've made the way from Lake City all the way to Woodenville in traffic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I might be able to give... Okay, I will tell you that this, what Mike came up with, I just see him goodwill hunting on a chalkboard, figuring this out, <laughs> um, is just as good, if not better, than anything they've ever yes. put forward. Is yeah. it not? Yeah. It's clear. You grandfathered clear. in the Q thing, which was thoughtful of you. You haven't changed the rules four times. They, they stayed the same. Yeah. We can put this on our website, and we can yep. make a post about it. Yeah. If any of the super smart um, uh, techie people listening could make a little calculator so you could just spit in the letters that would spit out your answers, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is far beyond my abilities. No, you guys did great on the fly. Yeah. Um, I definitely found a website called Puzzle Reference Pages that lined up the letters and numbers for hey, me. That's a, I found that too. <laughs> yeah, moon that's at the only noon. Com. That's the only reason I knew that. W was 23. Yep. I was doing it off the top of my head, but I have a beautiful mind for these things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
I guess looking back on it, my quibble with this is the statement that this is simpler than what Luke and Andrew ever came up with. I mean, it works better. It's consistent. But I don't know if it's easier to use. Well, I mean, uh, let's let's look at the upsides and downsides. And then we can actually hit the whip sound effect. We can actually bring in the follow-up file because since this happened, the picnic has happened and we can talk about how it went. That's true. I cannot remember the formula, so I can't remember what my letter was. Your letter was L. It was L. Okay, right. Uh-huh. So you listened to lasagna. I, I listened quickly. Yes, lasagna. Right. Um, I I did not, despite how much I hate Mondays, I did not bring lasagna. Um, primarily because of the flying, and the. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I could have made lasagna at Will's house in my basement apartment at Will's house, but um, it would have been complicated. Right. I don't actually remember what we ended up contributing. I remember that your cookies, your state-shaped cookies, were a big hit. Um. Yeah. Simple. Easy. Tasty. Yeah. I mean, Duff ate most of them, so I don't well, know if everybody else got to try them. Well, you know. Eh. I don't remember how I justified those. I don't remember what my letter was either, but I think I shoehorned them in there somehow. Well, and that's the lesson here. Um, despite, um, for some reason, a gender component to how the letters broke down. <laughs> I, I just attribute that to Mike's age. And uh, despite the fact that multiple people made online calculators to figure out what your letter is without having to do the math... Uh, in the end, everyone brought whatever they wanted to, and it worked out great because mm-hmm. Wagoneers are thoughtful, considerate people who, all in all, make for a, a positive impact when they show up somewhere and they leave a place better than they found it. And that was absolutely the case of the LRB picnic. It was such a blast. Yep. I remember distinctly from all the interviews that we did at the picnic, and that was one of the questions, what did you bring? And we asked people to justify it, and they were like, oh, "I didn't, I didn't know what my letter was. I didn't pay attention to that." And I think we learned that uh, Mike doesn't actually have a lot of power to inspire fear in the listeners. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't know better, I would say that the listeners really took him out at the knees. <laughs> Bobby, which is my transition to our final clip of this episode, which comes from Oh, bravo. The very same episode of Little Red Bandwagon 233, that same summer. It was an all-housekeeping edition. I don't know if I can do my best mic impression, but it's... Housekeeping! (laughs) No, I can't. Mike's got a certain uh, je ne sais quoi in his voice when he does the housekeeper that I just can't. But anyway, this is from the same episode from the summer. Uh, And this is uh, a little bit more of a serious clip, although well worth it and still makes me smile every time I think of it and hear it. Um, This is when Mike and Emily were putting in an offer on their house in Manchac, Texas. And because of the hot HGTV-esque market that apparently Manchac has, uh, they wrote a letter to the sellers to plead their case. Uh, and they pulled every card they could 
to make it possible. Mike, you have been very busy lately, besides, you know, learning how to walk again and be a productive member of society. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your recent endeavor? Uh, yeah. Um, ever since we suffered our setbacks, Emily and I suffered our physical setbacks and were forced to sell our house in Austin and move to Kyle. We have been looking for a way to get back closer to town and into a neighborhood that we like. And there's a neighborhood that Emily has always really liked, and it's really started to grow on me, and it's called Manshack. And we've been looking for houses in Manshack for a while. And since Emily has been working again and making a, a, a good salary, we have been trying to, you know, see our way back into affording getting, um, getting in there. But, uh, we kept looking at all these houses and, you know, it's a, it's kind of a rural neighborhood and the houses are all from like the seventies and, um, they're either weird or run down or gross or, you know, or just not for us, but, um, still we love it and we love the people that live out there. So it was, uh, a week ago, Sunday, and Emily was on her way out of town for the first time in a while. And we we got a um, a listing in our email and it was very interesting. And and she she sent it to me and, you know, the for um, she labeled it. Can we, when can we move in? And we hadn't looked at it yet. And so. We were on our way out to the airport, and we managed to squeeze in a meeting with our real estate agent and looked at the house and immediately started looking for a way to buy it. So what uh, what they were talking about on TBTL last week was, were these crazy letters to seller that, that in a competitive real estate market are starting to be a, a big thing where you want to differentiate yourself from other buyers who might be close to you in their offers um, because, you know, when you reach a certain amount of money and you really care about the house you're selling, you kind of want to choose your buyer, if that makes any sense. Um, like you want the house because you care about the house. You want it to go to someone who gives a shit about the house. So I was tasked with, this was an Emily was out of town and, and she was like, could you write one of these letters? And I, I didn't know about these letters. So I went online and I looked at, you know, some sample letters and, and I wrote one and I, <laughs> and, and, uh, here's what it said. Okay. <clears throat> First of all, let, let me tell you before I read the letter, um, the, the house is up for sale at three thirty nine, and we were offering at that. That's it. You know, we weren't going over offers, so we we're just offering, you know, to pay what they were asking. So here's the here's the letter. Dear seller, and I, you know, the real estate agent put their names in. So, dear seller, thank you very much for considering our offer on your home. Manshack is a place that's always inter interested us because it feels warm and sprawling in such a great way. Neighbors wave at each other as well as us when we drive through, and the stone-slash-cedar construction is timeless and very functional. We constantly check our email for any house up for sale in Manchac, and 
for months now, we've been touring all the homes. In yours, we finally found the one that both of us totally love inside and out. We shared your listing with each other simultaneously, and Sunday, when our agent Kristen took us through your home, we were very taken with it. Starting with a wide-open path from the street to a warm, welcoming entryway, just a wonderful remodel with the they remodeled it by the way uh, with the gorgeous stone over the stove, four bedrooms, wonderful closets, subway tile in the master bath, patio doors off the bathroom, oh, sorry off the bedroom, and a huge backyard for our dogs to run around and explore. Basically, is everything we were looking for executed with style and taste. We lived in Austin until a year ago when the financial burden of serious, life-threatening health issues for both of us forced us to sell the only home we've known since we were married seven years ago. We cashed out, bought a builder home in Kyle, and it's just not for us. Fortunately, we're very much back on our feet, although liter literally down one, as you can see. One of the pictures <laughs> is me standing there without a leg. And ready to move back north. Again, we are grateful you're considering our offer as we are excited to start a new chapter of our lives in the lovely home you have created. Uh, Mike Frizzell and Emily Cullen. And then I I put the insertion, insert pictures of us and all the animals here. And those pictures included Emily looking really cute with, with our um, uh, late dog, Frank, who is the most handsome dog you've ever seen. Um, a picture of... Uh, Abby and Ginger looking so cute. Of course, my picture in my robot shirt without a leg and a really cute picture of our little kitty cat. And I, I can't even remember if there's a picture of the bunny, but I mean, these are pictures that even without the How letter they say no? would melt your heart. Okay. And then I, I end the, I end the, um, you know, I'm sending this to our, to our uh, real estate agent you know, because she's putting together the letter. And I say at the end, uh, and tell Kristen to feel free to play the brain cancer card. <laughs> so there you go. There's my foray into the, the, the business there. And um, it ended up working because we're under contract and we are about to buy this home. And they uh, turned down an offer of uh, 355 uh, for us at 339 that's we have the same thing we wrote a letter and there was about we have a crazy market where there will be at least oh, 10 God. offers as soon as yeah. it hits the market seattle's and fucking nuts we we since we've moved in here since october we've gotten notes from real estate agents wanting to buy the house that's right they, they the come by is. all day they just prowl, prowl the neighborhoods all day up there I bet. we get calls because they look yeah. at the registers like it's just insane um but same thing, there was 10 other offers, and because of the note, mm -hmm. that's that's what the agent said. It, we offered a rate at asking price, and people were offering a lot more. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Which Always leave you, a note. <laughs> which one of you faked an amputation, and which one of you said your brain was broken? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If you if you had, like, Ellie with a little leg we cut off. We pulled Ellie. Oh, but oh, not with her leg cut off. We just sent oh. pictures of her. And you can't say no to that face. That's true. And right. just said, we love the neighborhood and it's in it's in a good school district. And we knew they had three kids. So. Yeah. Yeah. Got to hit the buttons. It's good and, to know and, the audience, and, right? 
to 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 give proper credit um i i pretty much wrote the letter as is and didn't change much substantially but um phyllis i um i i showed it to her and she had me reverse the order of it because originally i was like the boohoo woe is us at the top and the flattery at the bottom yeah. but she got quickly it, yeah. said go flatter first and then boohoo mm-hmm. at the bottom and right and then once i did that i was like oh yeah it's much better right yeah um so were you selling the insect museum yeah we'll be selling it um we're we're under contract and we'll be buying it without selling mm-hmm. but um as once once we have the house we'll we'll move our stuff over there and then when the house here in Kyle is empty we'll sell it you're basically in a neighborhood of people who are buying houses so yeah yeah it's just going to one that's done yeah we'll do fine we'll do fine yeah. I, I don't think we're going to make a a, pro, a big profit on it but i don't think we'll take a loss because everything sells here yeah, yeah. i was just picturing you and emily in a photograph pointing your thumbs at yourself and being like Who's got three feet and want to your yard? <laughs> That's it. That's who's all. got? Who's got? Who's got three quarters of their limbs and three quarters of their brain? <laughs> and forty-seven animals. Forty-seven animals. Yes, correct. Yeah. You could have said, "What has forty-seven legs and wants to buy your house?" <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. All right. So, congratulations, Mike. Uh, and Emily, and, and hopefully we'll uh, all come visit. Now we have to go. We all have to go back. Yeah, exactly. We need to throw a housewarming party. We'll pretend it's to see Mike and Emily, but we'll all know it's for the queso. Yeah, at Torch. Yeah, and and we will be living very near the uh, Moon Tower Saloon, which is oh, in I love Manchac, that place, Texas. All right, so we'll be that much cooler as long as Christy and I get some beaver nuggets. I think everything else. Yes. Is, yeah. Once again, Phyllis brings the goods. Yeah. <laughs> um, flatter first, and then what was it at the bottom? Oh, I forget Bring the, the sad exact wording stuff. of that. I meant, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, well, the way she put it was so good. Yeah, I meant to. Uh, it's a good lesson, though. She absolutely was right. Oh, here it is. I actually put it in the description of that episode back on 233. Just like Fletch taught us, flatter first, boohoo at the bottom. <laughs> yep. Um, if only I could have taught all the students who I tried to teach basic newspaper writing to that when I was in college, I think I had zero impact on them, but maybe I could have at least imparted something like that. Um, definitely the person I want to go to if I need a compelling anything, Phyllis Fletcher. (laughs) And they got the house. That was the successful part. Now they just have to figure out selling the old one. Right. Yep. Yeah, maybe we need Phyllis to write a letter to the contractor who built their Kyle house to try to straighten the mess out there. Well, she's got lots of time. Let's get her on it. (laughs) Uh, So that's a wrap on your first edition in the occasional series that is December to pod member from Little Red Bandwagon. More to come in coming weeks as we share more of our favorites and more of your favorites and get ready for the holidays. Um and without any attempt at me trying to do my impression again, would you like to take us into housekeeping? Can I do my own version of housekeeping? Oh, God, <laughs> yes, by all means. Housekeeping. 
yeah, and your housekeeper sounds like the pizza delivery guy's here, but we don't have any money to pay him. <laughs> we can work something out. Uh, in housekeeping today, uh, I believe, we believe there is still time to order some LRB merchandise for Christmas for uh, your significant other who will immediately give it back to you. You can go to littleredbandwagon.com and click the shop button. We do have those zip-up hoodies that we've been talking about since the picnic when Christy wore one and we were all jealous. Those are available. I got to get on that. I still haven't ordered mine. And um, show your Wagoneer spirit to all the people who will have absolutely no idea what it means. But you'll know and you'll feel very superior. So come on down and uh, get some cool stuff. The archive project continues. I feel really bad. I'm stalled on week 37. I've been slacking. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have a prize for 52 weeks? I feel like that should be the next mile. If you archive an entire year of TBTL, I think we just... I don't know. I think we just give you the, all the jam money. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that we've ever thought that that was a le- legitimate possibility. And the way I'm going, I'm never going to get there. But So I need somebody to pick up the slack for me since I'm not getting my work done. Anybody who would like to be involved in the archiving project, uh, just drop us a line at the little red bandwagon uh, at gmail.com. And Christy reads those and just let her know that you're interested in being involved. And it's not a huge commitment. You don't have to do 37 weeks like me. Just do one week or like Mike, do one day and then give up. But if five people do that, we'll get a whole week. Yeah. So there is plenty of work, and I find it entertaining to listen to old episodes, and we would love to have you be a part of it. Uh, also, again, still time shop, to shop for Christmas presents. We have an Amazon link at littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon, where you can do your Christmas shopping and kick us a few pennies to make our life just a little bit sweeter, and that would be awesome. Yeah, and we're going to do another one of those shows where we go through the list of things that that everybody bought with the affiliate link after our Christmas special. Because once again this year, us LRB hosts uh, have done a Secret Santa, and we don't want to do the Amazon show before we do our Secret Santa because it's very possible that some of the gifts in our Secret Santa were purchased through the link. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that we— Extremely possible. Yeah, extremely, extremely possible. So we want to uh, preserve the uh, integrity of the secret in Secret Santa. In fact, uh, I received a Secret Santa package with my name on it and LRB, so I know not to open it. And the return address uh, is not from any city we have an LRB host. So I am officially mystified. (laughs) (laughs) Someone is committing mail fraud, all for the sake of keeping a secret, which I fully appreciate. As always, you can find us online at littleredbandwagon.com. You can air your grievances or your health, your, uh, let's call them driveway moments. That's probably not trademarked. At throwyourphone.com. On Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon. The show Twitter's LRB Podcast. Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemails and text messages may be sent to 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And with that... And why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. And we love you, Jen. In fact, so much that I'll mention 
that Jen tweeted last week that she had a few sets of her Comfort and Joy holiday cards left, and I just ordered two more packs of them. I don't know if she has more, but go to TBTL Jen on Twitter and check. And if she does, you should buy them because they're not Yeah, they're gorgeous. Nailed it. Housekeeping.